We continue our series on our identity in Jesus Christ, and we continue exploring the verses in Second First Peter chapter two. Sorry. So the Bible reading is from First Peter chapter two, and we're reading from verse nine to twelve. So if you want to read along, those are the verses to look up. So First Peter chapter two, and we're reading from verse nine to verse twelve. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct honourable, so that when so that when the Gentiles speak evil against you, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. These are the verses that we. Excuse me. I'm never going to shake this sniffle. I don't think that we've been exploring now for the past few weeks. Sorry if you noticed I've been distracted trying to fix this tablet. It crashed at the start of the service, which was always helpful. And it erased pretty much all the formatting I'd done for the start of the service. But I've got it back because if the text is too small, I can't read. And that's quite important. Otherwise, you're going to get complete randomness. Today, we're looking at being a holy nation. And I wonder what comes into your mind when I mention that phrase, holy nation. I want to first talk about what nations contribute to us or what regions even contribute to us as individuals because there are stereotypes that whilst they don't apply to everyone certainly do apply to a specific amount of people within a region like you might have heard for instance that fifers are tight with money and if anyone's met Jonah you'll know that's true or you might have heard for instance that Scots have a real penchant for liking deep fried food and beer, and most people have probably tried a battered Mars bar at some point. Actually, let's try a little survey. Put your hand up if you've had a battered Mars bar. Come on, confession time. Yep, I've tried a battered Mars bar. They're actually very nice. I wouldn't recommend it with chips. It wouldn't work. Chocolate and chips is, yeah. But on its own, it's actually quite an interesting experience. But this is one of the generalizations about Scotland, is that we have a penchant for things fried. And it does often fascinate me that one of the ways that we tend to try and get our kids to eat vegetables is we turn them into things like battered mushrooms and battered onion rings and all these different kind of things. So even then, we, we sometimes will put that same technique in practice. Now, these generalizations, of course, do not apply to everyone because not everyone here has had a battered Mars bar. Not everyone here would eat fried food. Not everyone likes beer. Not everyone would like football and so on and so on. But what I can tell you for certain is that growing up in a culture where these things are predominant will influence us in one way or another. Either we will go with the tithe and we will eat and do the things that our culture does or we will see that culture and decide actually no, we're going to reject it. But either way, it's influencing us because we're either accepting or rejecting 
what culture is offering on us. Our nations play a role in shaping us. They influence us. Now, I'm sure quite a few people here are aware of the nature-nurture debate as to our formation, how much of it is nature, that being our genetics, our temperament, all these different factors that play our personality, and how much of it is nurture, the, the region around us, our family, the events of our childhood and our life are the things that shape us. Now, I can actually tell you how that plays in the sense of is it 50-50, 60-40? I have no clue. But I can tell you both things definitely do play a role in forming us. They both contribute to shaping us. So when we hear a phrase such as a holy nation, one of the things that I begin to ask myself is, okay, we are now part of a holy nation. What is that nation's culture? And how is that shaping us now? And I think these are vitally important questions for us as Christians. Because what these verses tell us is that all of us who have placed our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, who have put our lives in his hand and declared him Lord and Savior, are now part of this holy nation. What does that mean? What does it look like for us as followers of Jesus Christ? And before I touch on that, the first thing I want to look at is how we enter this new nation. And I think it's, that's a very important start point when it comes to this nation. You know, I would imagine that no one here chose where they were born. Now, stick your hand up if I'm wrong. And I will be very intrigued. But the chances are, and I'm fairly certain on this, we didn't choose it. It's one of these things that happened. And we now live in a culture where nationality is now being called citizenship. And we see even places now where it can be stripped, such as in France, if you commit terrorist attacks now, they could strip your nationality, essentially making you homeless in the world. Nationality is a massively significant thing. Massively significant thing. It can be a great thing. For instance, I'm quite chuffed that I'm Scottish. I'm not so chuffed about the weather at the moment, I have to say. It's not up to much at all, but I'm quite happy being Scottish. I don't know any different, to be fair. But I'm quite all right with that, and I'm sure that those who aren't Scottish, we've got South Africa, we've got English people, we've got many different nationalities in here, but you should be quite happy with those nationalities in the most part as well. Others, however, nationality can be a curse. When you think about people, refugees, desperately trying to get from one nation to another, and the disqualification for entry is nationality. Not humanity, but nationality. It can become a curse. Our entry into the kingdom and to this holy nation 
is nothing like any of that. And I think it's important that we recognize that. Now, our entry into this kingdom isn't cheap. I was chatting with a family that have moved into Scotland this week, and they were telling me about the extravagant costs that, that exist to move from other nations into the UK to immigrate here. They're excessively high in some cases. I had no idea how high, to be honest. I just thought people could move here for free. But apparently that's not the case. There is excessively high costs. Visas and things like that cost the earth. I had no idea about any of that. There's a cost to move to this country. In some cases, it's excessively high. But there was a much greater cost of entry into this holy nation of which you now belong. But the remarkable thing is you didn't pay it. The cost was the death of the Son of God. And he paid the price for our sin. And as he did that, as he died and then rose again, something remarkable happened. He established this new people, this holy nation, this thing that Peter is describing painstakingly in these verses. And we are drawn into that. But don't ever think that the entry cost was cheap. It cost a vast amount. Far more than moving to the UK. It cost the Son of God his life. And what of the requirements of entry? Because they're important too. Lots of nations have requirements to enter a country. Some of them, there could be language tests. Language tests are becoming increasingly frequent, although I'm pretty sure I could probably fail the English one, but that's by the by. But they are increasingly frequent. There could be criminal background checks. They're often quite a frequent thing as well. Are they an entry requirement to this holy nation? No. None of them are. There could be family connections. They could be an entry requirement to enter a nation. They're not to this one either. Productivity checks, they could be a requirement. I know, for instance, if I wanted to move to Australia, they would want to know, well, what am I going to do and how am I going to contribute to their society? Are they an entry requirement into the, this new holy nation? No. There's one requirement. One requirement. Faith in the Son of God. That's an entry requirement. That we believe and trust in God's only Son and make Him Lord of our lives. That's the basis on which we enter this holy nation. The cost is high. The requirements are faith. And we're sustained in this kingdom. And I think this is important as well because this holy nation that we enter operates a fundamentally different culture to that which we leave. 
For instance, in our culture, lust sells stuff. You want to sell something, you put a pretty guy or girl on the front of it and people are going to, their interest is going to be piqued. You could see that from car adverts, perfume adverts, the Diet Coke man, who apparently is now the Aldi man. All these different characters. But it sells. Not so in this holy nation. Power has to be grasped for in the nations that we departed from. We hunger for it and we thirst for it and we do what we can to get it. We will see people who will trod on others mercilessly to get themselves to the top of governments, of organizations, even of charities. Power is hungered for. Not so in this new nation where you're called instead to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and he will exalt us. Violence is a means to an end in our world. Force to get what we want. War if other nations anger us. Not so in this new nation. We were called to turn the other cheek and to pick up a cross, a mechanism of dying to self and follow the king of this nation. Its culture is fundamentally different. Fundamentally different. And because of that, we need to be sustained by grace. Because there are times when we get our influences all muddled up and we behave like we're in the world still. We allow the world and its culture to influence us sometimes more than we allow this new nation's culture to influence us. So it's important as we think about the entry requirements that the sustaining requirements are not on us either. We are sustained, we are held by God's grace and power and forgiveness. And he keeps us on this path. So the entry requirements, the cost is high, the requirements are faith and we're sustained by grace. But yet, there's something just as equally important as to how we enter, and that is that we belong to this nation. This might sound so blatantly obvious why I might even mention it, but I don't think we fully grasp what this means all the time, or at least I don't. Who here has a passport? I don't have a passport, so I'm guessing at this point. My passport expired ages ago, and I don't like planes, so I'm in no hurry to renew it, because on boats you don't need one. So it's leverage for me. But on the front of your passport, what does it say? Come on, somebody must have looked at the front of your passport. I, your nationality. Your nation, 
Okay, thank you, because I, as I said, I've never looked at a passport in years, so I'm guessing at this part. But I would assume it would say your nationality, and it would say where you were born, and all these different kinds of details that would tell you which nation, or tell people which nation that you belong to. Yeah? Except that passport is wrong. It's not wrong in the sense of where you were born, that is quite true. But it's wrong in the sense of where you now belong. Because your nationality, when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, is this holy nation. Our nationality, our allegiance, our loyalty, our focus ought to be this holy nation, this kingdom of God. As Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness and all other things will fall into place. But do we really grasp that transference that has actually taken place? Do we grasp that our allegiance is to this new nation and not to the previous one? Peter does. Because as we're going to explore in future weeks, he speaks about us being sojourners and exiles. He recognizes that this world, this nation, even if it was our home, is no longer our home. We belong to another. This holy nation. This kingdom of Christ. And this new nation is what governs us. Its culture should be that which molds us, shapes us, influences our ethics and our thoughts and our principles and our dialogue. This should come from this new nation to which we now belong. And it's called a holy nation. And I don't just think holiness is doing or expressing or behaving in the right way. It's also about how we think. Our perceptions of the world, of those around us. It's about thinking holy. And, and what I mean by this is how do we, if we are really exiles in Ellen? or Pet Medan, or Tarvis, or wherever you've came from this morning, or Newborough, if you really are an exile there because you belong to this holy nation, what does it mean to dialogue with those around us on issues that I've already mentioned, such as war? What does it mean to be part of the holy nation and dialogue with a nation that wants to go to war? What does it mean when we see the crisis of refugees? What does it mean to hunger and thirst for justice? What does it mean when we see the horrors of poverty around us? You know, I can respond to these things as William the Pfeiffer. I could respond to them as William the Scotsman. I could respond to these things as William, who's part of this holy nation. And I could guarantee you that my responses in the latter would be different to my responses in the first two. Different things 
are influencing me, are pressing on me. Either the ethics and principles of the world and the culture that we live in, or the ethics and principles of God and the nation that he's building. Do you see that distinction between them? And how important it is that we actually understand that we belong to this new holy nation. This isn't Peter just trying to use clever stuff to dress up simple truths. This isn't telling us stuff that's quite profound about where we belong. And what we have to wrestle with is how we express that and how we let it influence us. We belong to this new nation. Our first allegiance is to it and its king. And for us all, this new nation of, to which we belong and the different ways that we see it express itself in the world, such as the church or different events, these are the things that ought to be molding us and shaping us. We enter that kingdom, that nation with a high cost. The requirement upon us was faith and trust in Jesus Christ. We belong to it. But this isn't trivial stuff because this is a holy nation. Holy. We don't simply go into this nation and live as we please. And this is the third thing. We are holy citizens. All of us we are, that are sat here this morning, we are holy citizens of our faith is in Jesus Christ. To those who might be looking a bit bored now, you're a holy citizen. There's a cup of tea at the end, don't worry. To those who are looking infused and energetic, I want to know what caffeine you drink. But you too are part you're a holy citizen, part of this holy nation. For all of us that have trust and faith in Jesus Christ, no matter the week we've had, no matter how we might have failed or disgraced God or even ourselves, no matter the successes we've had, this could have been an awesome week for people. Great. None of that changes this vital truth. You are a holy citizen. And as such is one who is an exile and a sojourner in this world. That means you're on a journey through this world to the place that you intend to go to, which is this place that God is setting up, this new kingdom. We're called to express its ways to the world, to be light and darkness, to be salt in a world that's turned bland, to show the ways of God and his holiness to people who've completely lost sight of it. I might have told you once before about a dream I had, but I feel I should share this again because the point fits. I remember not long after I first became a Christian, I remember going through this phase where I found non-Christians intensely difficult to deal with because I couldn't quite grasp how with this amazing offer of grace and generosity that God extends to people, why people would turn their back on it. 
and choose instead to remain in sin. I, I, I couldn't make sense of it. And I remember asking one of my Christian brothers to pray for me, and he did. And that prayer was powerfully answered because not long after that, I had a dream. And in this dream, I remember walking alongside this guy. And I was walking towards him. We're on the back alley towards a city. And I, I can't remember what we're talking about, but I began to wonder, is this guy Jesus? And his answer was, you'll know by what I say. And we went into the city and he began to preach. And at that point... I knew this guy was Jesus. And he did his preaching thing, and I kind of just observed and watched what was going on. And then he began just walking down what was a high street. Kind of looked a bit like Kirkcaldy High Street, if anyone's been there, but without all the boarded-up shops. But he was walking down the street talking to this lady. And he wasn't talking to her in, in any overtly evangelical sense even. He just simply cared. And I remember I thought in my heart at this point, why are you wasting your time with these people? They're all blind. And he turned to me, angry, and said to me, no wonder these people are blind when you've left them in the darkness for so long. And that was the end of my difficulties. Well and truly tell was I. But I pass that challenge on to us all. You're called to be lights in a world of darkness. The more we let where we came from shape us, the duller the light becomes. The more we let this new holy nation to which you belong shape you, the brighter that light becomes. And the good news is we don't have to ponder what does it mean to be part of this holy nation? What are its ethics? What are its focuses? What is its government like? It's in here, folks. This is the best-selling book on the face of the earth, and it has been ever since it could count. And it probably will remain that way until Jesus' return. There has been more of these sold than what there is currently people on the earth. So you'll find one about somewhere. And then, of course, there are apps. You can download apps on your phones. Some of them will even talk. I've got an app and you can press play and it will speak. And it will read the Bible to you. It's great when you're busy and scooting around the kitchen and stuff like that, trying to get the kids sorted at breakfast time or something. God's Word surrounds us in ways that it never has throughout the whole of human history. It's in our pockets it's on our screens. We can hear it. We can read it. So do so. Take advantage of all the stuff that we have and let God's word soak in. Because as we do that, this holy nation's culture is what's informing us and what's shaping us and what's molding us. And the more we do that, the more we fill our minds with God's word, the more we allow the Holy Spirit time to speak to us and challenge us and mold us, the more able too we are to be what's called informed. To be confronted with an issue in the world and to be able just to use the rational common sense that God has given us 
and say, well, actually, no. I've read in God's Bible that that, I shouldn't do that. Or that that's not right. And we can form a view because we've allowed ourselves the time to be influenced by the culture of this holy nation. So I encourage us as holy citizens to allow the culture of this new nation to which you belong to soak through into your heart and into your minds so that we are lights. So that that challenge to us all that we don't leave people blind in darkness because they can't see the light is not one that can be leveled on us. Do we know where we belong? Because it's in this holy nation. So be lights. Because it's what we're called to be. To show the righteousness and the love and the justice and the mercy and the grace and compassion and holiness of our God who governs this holy nation. You are holy citizens. And this cannot be stripped from you like our nationality potentially can be now. No. You entered with a high cost. The death of the governor of that holy nation. The requirement was faith. And you're sustained by that king. So let all of that seep in and shape us so that we can be lights in the world around us. Make no mistake about it, this world is in darkness. It's lost the truth of what humanity is. It's lost base things such as compassion and mercy on those that need it. We hide behind invisible borders now so that we can find some moral reason to justify turning our backs on others in need. Bizarre ideology. Our world needs light. And that's God's call to all of us. So my encouragement this morning is very simple and practical. Your Bible, read it. Draw from it. And learn or be reminded of the culture of this nation to which you belong. And as you do that, be bold enough to pray that God will speak. But more than that, that God will use us. Use us as lights to those in darkness. Don't doubt your belonging. It's assured. But use it. Use it to be a light that shines. A beacon to those who can't see. Let's pray. 
Father God, we thank you that we are part of this holy nation and we're not part of it because we deserve it or because we're worthy. We're part of it because Jesus Christ has paid the entry cost because of his death and his willing sacrifice for us, we are forgiven of our sin when we place our faith and trust in you. And that by doing this, we meet the requirement, which is faith in the Son of God. So Lord, as your people, which is what Peter calls us here, part of this holy nation, we pray that you would use us that you would use us in mighty ways, Lord, to be salt and light to those around us, to our families, to our friends, to this town, to the neighboring towns. That when people engage with us, they know there is something different. That difference being we don't belong in this nation. We are exiles here. But we're calling people to this new and amazing nation. One of forgiveness, of freedom, of being reconciled with the God's to whom we are created to walk in fellowship with. So give us joy, Lord, because we belong to you, to your nation, that we are holy citizens, not because of effort or because it's earned, but because of grace, because of your love and because of your acceptance. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.